What child is this? That's the series that we're in as we're preparing our hearts for Christmas, as we're focusing on who is this child born to us on this Christmas that we celebrate every year. What child is this? Wouldn't it be great to be a child again uh, during the Christmas season? Uh, children during the Christmas season have nothing but excitement and joy as they get ready for this time of year. Uh, from Thanksgiving on, as you talk to children about Christmas, their eyes light up. They are excited. I've never asked a child, are you excited for Christmas? And they respond with, meh, not really. Uh, children are excited. There are gifts involved. There are presents that they want. There, there's all this family that gets together. There's food. Uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> maybe the food one's just me. Maybe not children. I got a little carried away. But children are excited for Christmas, right? And they have this twinkling in their eye, and you can just feel the excitement as they get ready for Christmas. But as you get older, what happens? There's more responsibility. There are more burdens. There are deadlines to be met. There are pressures that weigh on you. And, and you want to feel that childlike joy. You, you want to have it. You want to have the twinkling in your eye too. But everything just kind of weighs on you. It's like a, the darkness just kind of hovers over you like a, a thick fog. And it just kind of sucks away your joy and your excitement. And then we think, if only we can get past the deadlines, if only we can get rid of, rid of this pressure, that joy will be mine once again this Christmas. And so what is it for you? What's hanging over your head this morning as you come into worship? What is that one thing that if you could just remove from your life the darkness that seems to be hovering over you of burdens and responsibilities and all that, it would go away? Or what is the one thing that you wish you could get? And if you have that one thing, then everything would go away and you'd have that joy and excitement once again. We want that childlike joy. And if that's what you want today, then you're here for some good news. Because Isaiah talks to people today in Isaiah chapter 9 who are dealing with the same exact thing. They're dealing with stress. They're dealing with pressures. They're dealing with the responsibilities and the anxieties of life. And it all just hangs on them. And Isaiah has some very comforting words on how to get that childlike joy. So we're in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. We're beginning with verse 1. Here's what we're told. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. I mentioned this last week uh, when looking at Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, it's hard to read through this section of the Bible, Isaiah, uh, because he's mentioning places and names that unless if we do some research, we really have no idea what he's talking about. So we read that verse and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But I want to show you where, what, where and who he's talking about. Because I'm sure most of you don't know where the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali are. So let me show you a map. 
This is around 720 BC. Here's the kingdom of Israel up here. This is the kingdom of Judah. Um, if you know Israel's history, you know that at one point, that's all one nation. And then around 950 BC, it split because of a civil war. Um, and this became the kingdom of Judah, and this was the kingdom of Israel. Uh, this is kingdom of Aram and Damascus, and here's the Assyrian Empire way up here. The territories of Zebulun and Naphtali are right here. And you also saw that in Isaiah chapter 1, he mentioned the, the area of Galilee. The Ze land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, and the land of Galilee, all the same thing. Because right here is the Sea of Galilee. And so all this area is considered the, the land of the Sea of Galilee, along with Zebulun and Naphtali. They're, they're nicknames for each other. And so he's talking about one location. And did you notice that he said, those who are in gloom and distress? This area right here saw nothing but darkness, gloom, and distress for the majority of its existence as the kingdom of Israel. And it's really because of a couple, well, it's a couple reasons, but one of the main ones is if you were going to attack Israel, you had two options. Either you'd come up from the south into the kingdom of Judah, but really the only kingdom who really attacked them from the south ever was the land of Egypt. But if you're going to attack them from the north, you'd come this way and up and over, and that's where you get the Assyrians coming over. You get the Babylonians coming over. Babylonians coming over. You get the per Medes and the Persians coming over. But you could only attack from those two ways because over here you got the Jordan River and desert all right here. And then you've got the Mediterranean Sea. And so this area up here was constantly ravaged by war. The, the darkness of war just sat on it. Rumors of war constantly sat on it. It just hovered over them. They knew it was coming. They heard about it all the time. And it just weighed on them. Additionally, this area over from 950 and on had extremely poor leadership. The darkness of horrible politics and the fog of a bad king was just one right after another. And then what happened? Around 720 BC, the Assyrian Empire comes in and just completely tears through this area, leaving nothing but darkness in its wake. And you would hope that the people would turn to God. But do you know what God did? He sent prophet after prophet. He sent Elijah. He sent Elisha. Repent, repent, repent. And the people said, no thanks. We're content walking in our darkness of our sin and in our shame. And so that's why the Assyrian Empire comes in and wipes them out. And so Isaiah looks out at this time in Isaiah chapter 9. And he says, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, land of Sea of Galilee, I see you walking in darkness. I see you walking in physical darkness as war has just torn you apart. I see you walking in political darkness. I see you walking in spiritual darkness as you reject God again and again and again. And what's the hope? Turn to God. Turn to God. But where do they turn? Anywhere but God. They turn and they look around them. They look for political alliances. They look for uh, hope 
in what they can do, what they can achieve, what they, they can accomplish. They look for food wherever they can find it. They even look to consulting mediums to talk to the dead, to predict the future. And instead of turning to God, do you know what they do? They turn to God and blame Him for the distress that they're in. And the darkness just hangs over them. It just hovers as they're looking around, looking for hope and not finding it. They're looking for light in the darkness and it's not coming. So what's the darkness hanging over you today during this season? What is it that you're looking for for the light of hope? Where are you looking for it? What's that one thing that you think you can just get and if you just get it, then all this fog will go away? Because here's the thing, if we're like the Israelites and we look to something not God, we're looking at false hopes. And that's your first point this morning. When darkness hovers, we look for the light of hope. Maybe for you this morning, this political arena that we're in is just that fog that just hangs over you. Every time you turn on the news, every time you turn on, uh, look at Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, you see it, you feel it, and it's just... It's just sucking the joy right away from you. If only you had your candidate in there, then you'd have that light of hope. Maybe for you today, you've been rejected, and you've been rejected, and you've been rejected, and, and the darkness of rejection just hovers over you, and all you want to do is be loved. You want to know that you're loved. You want to know that you're accepted. And so, where do you turn? To hooking up to quick love, to pornography, looking for that love and acceptance. Maybe you're dealing with guilt and shame and it's hovering over you and it's weighing on you and you don't know where else to turn and so you look for the light of hope at the end of a bottle. Or you look to it in, in getting high just to escape it for a little bit and that's your light that's going to scatter the darkness. Maybe it's direction. There's a lot of change going on in your life. There's a lot of change going on in your family. And, and normally you're a person who likes to have a plan, but it's not there right now. And, and so it's just kind of hovering over you and weighing on you. And, and how can I get this away? If I can just figure out a plan, if I can just figure out what's next, then this will all go away and the joy will be here. Then I'll have that joy and excitement once again. But do you know what all that is? They're just little lights. They're little distractions that won't actually scatter the darkness that is around us. It's kind of like driving down my road right now uh, at Christmas time. Uh, if you've never been to my house, I'm at the end of a long, windy road. And from, if you come down my long, windy road at night, right now, what is going to hit you? all of the Christmas lights. It seems like every house on my block is decorated with Christmas lights. And me, loving Christmas so much, what do I do when I turn onto my street? I go nice and slow. <laughs> I drive slowly and I look at all the lights and I'm filled with happiness 
as I look at the lights. And I go from house to house and I look at the decorations and it makes me happy and puts a smile on my face. But then you know what happens? I turn into my driveway. And what's my driveway look like? It has no Christmas lights outside. And our house is the house on the block that hardly ever turns on the outside light. We sit in darkness. That's what all these are like. All the little things that we look for the light of hope to scatter the darkness that hovers over us, they're just little distractions. They make us happy for a little bit, but then we're right back to where we started, in darkness. And yet, what do we keep doing? We keep looking for the light of hope in earthly things, in the things around us. If we could just get this, then the darkness would be scattered, right? But then we get it, and we have that light a little bit, and then it burns out like lights on a string of Christmas lights. Or they get packed up, and they get put away until next year. And we're right back to where we're started. This is what the people of Israel were experiencing. They were looking to all these earthly lights for hope, and they had it for just brief moments, but they were, then they were back once again into darkness. It's to these people that Isaiah says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. This is incredible, an incredible promise. Remember who these people were that gets this promise. They're people who have rejected God who have rejected his prophets again and again. And yet, what does God say? On this land, a great light has dawned. On this land and in this people, a light has come. And who's he talking about? Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. And what will this light do? Look at this. Look at the joy that these people will have. Four times. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. We don't really get that because we're not farmers and we don't live on a, on a farmer's schedule, so to speak, but they understood this. Once a year, the harvest came in and that harvest was to get them through the following year. And so when the harvest was here, praise God, we're filled with joy. We've got food for another year. That's what this joy will be like. It'll be like warriors rejoicing when dividing the plunder. The war is over. The enemy's defeated. We get to divide up the plunder and take it home. That's what this person, that's what this Jesus is going to do. And here's the incredible part. This Jesus did not go to the bright lights of Jerusalem. Here's what we're told in Matthew chapter 4. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. 
The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Incredible. Jesus doesn't go to the bright lights of Jerusalem. He says, no, 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 I'm going to make my home with people who are walking in darkness. To those who don't have direction. To those who are, are, are filled with guilt and shame. To those who, who are, are worried about the political arena. To those worried about finances and the darkness just hangs over them. I'm going to go make my home with them. And I'm going to shine my light in the darkness of their life. Absolutely incredible. And this child born on Christmas, this Jesus who's making his light shine in the darkness, we're told just how great he is in verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Look at the description of this child. God gives us his son. To us, a son is given this gift. Who is he? Well, he's the one that the government will be on his shoulders. The government will be on his shoulders. God says, all of my dominion, all of this universe, everything that is being ruled over is on Jesus' shoulders, on this baby, born in Bethlehem. And it's not too much for him. He's called the Wonderful Counselor. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. All of you have looked for advice from somebody at some time. Whether it's a friend, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a pastor, whether it's your parents, you have relied on somebody to give you advice. And yet Jesus is the most wonderful counselor. He's never going to just listen to you and listen to your problem and listen to what's going on. He's never going to listen to it and then say, I'm really sorry you're going through that. I'm going to pray for you. No, he's going to give you advice. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you direction. And his advice, his counsel, is going to be the most wonderful because he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. Whatever darkness is hanging over you, whatever problem that you're facing, Jesus says, that's it. I'm the mighty God. I have the power to take it away. I have the power to lift you up. I have the power to burden it with you. I have the power to raise you back from the dead. I have the power to speak and bring things into existence. I am the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is not God the Father, but He has the heart of a Father. And for some of you, that might be scary because maybe you didn't have the best dad growing up. But Jesus is the ultimate father heart. He loves you like a father should love you. He has compassion on you. He has love for you. He, has, he accepts you. He has the love in his heart to tell you, no, 
You're going the wrong way. I'm not just going to let you go off by yourself. No, come this way. He's the everlasting Father. And He's the Prince of Peace. He is our Prince, our Warrior, the One who goes into battle for us to remove all of our sin, to go to war with Satan, to go to war with death, to go to war with everything that fights against us. And He went and He conquered it all, bringing us peace with God Himself. And He's also the Prince of Peace because look at the rest of His descriptions. When we realize that he, the government's on His shoulders, He's the ruling one. When we realize He's the wonderful counselor, when we realize He's our mighty God and our everlasting Father, how can we not have peace when He is in our corner? This is our God. This is a child born to us, given to us. This is the light that is given to us in our darkness. He is the light that will never burn out. He is the light that is always with us no matter what hovers over us, no matter what fog is uh, around us. He is the light that brings us eternal joy. This Christmas, childlike joy is yours once again as you remember who this child is that is given to you. This Christmas, if the darkness that is hovering and the fog that's around you is wanting love and acceptance, there's no more love and acceptance that fills your heart with joy than knowing that your God loves you and accepts you. And that's what He does because of your mighty God, your Prince of Peace. If this Christmas uh, you, you are worried about the future and, and worried about direction, there is no greater joy, no, no greater light in your life than knowing that you have a wonderful counselor who's leading you and guiding you and directing your life. That's the joy that you have. If this Christmas you're worried about sickness or disease of a family member, there's no more greater joy than knowing that your mighty God is in your corner. If you're worried about your financial situation because gifts on top of bills and you don't know where everything's going to come from, know that you have your mighty God on your side who knows where it's all coming from, knows exactly what you need. He is your light. He is your hope. He is the child that brings you joy and excitement once again this Christmas because this is a light given to us to scatter the darkness. For to us... A child is born. And what is he? He's our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. This is the sun given to us this Christmas. This is the light that scatters the darkness in your life. This is the light that you cling to. And as you cling to him, you will have that childlike joy again this Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you once again for being that joy in our life. You are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And because of you, you have given us childlike joy once again. We thank you for coming to us at Christmas and for being our Savior, for taking away our sin, for conquering death, and bringing us peace with God. As we look to you, help us to always have joy this Christmas, uh, not in the things around us, but in the true light, the great light that has dawned on this darkness of this earth, the darkness of our heart, and has scattered it completely. Be with us this Christmas, and let us find joy in that. Amen.